to another episode of our Practically Speaking podcast series. I'm Rachel Graham, a partner in Harney's London office, and I'm joined again by Amy Roost, one of our client directors at Harney's Fiduciary, also based in the UK. Hi, Amy. Hi, Rachel. Today, we're going to look at the process of becoming a shareholder and things that we need to think about and to understand. We're looking from the point of view of a new shareholder coming into an existing BVI company. Rachel, what should be the top of my mind if I have this opportunity to become a shareholder in a BVI company? If we set aside the sort of commercial reasons why you might be becoming a a shareholder, from a legal position, I think as a shareholder, you want to understand what your rights in relation to that company might be. If we're talking about a standard BVI company, you would expect to have a right to vote. You would likely also expect to have a right to any dividends that might be declared. And also to have some rights in the event that the company is wound up at the end of its useful life. So if we have a quick look at each of those in turn, I think what it will illustrate is that BVI companies can be incredibly flexible and can accommodate whatever rights shareholders wish to have between themselves. If we talk about voting, in a standard company, you would usually expect that each share if there's one class of shares, would carry one one right to vote. So one vote per share. So therefore, if you had a company with 100 shares, there would be 100 votes, and those would be divided up between the shareholders who've subscribed for shares. And you can easily see what their power vis-a-vis each other would be. That's what's known as ordinary shares. Those are usually just called ordinary shares. They have one right to vote. They have an equal share in any dividend and they have an equal share on a winding up. You quite often see the term saying, you know, the shares rank pari passu with each other. And really, that just means they they have an equal right in relation to a dividend or a distribution. Now, that being said, if the circumstances are such that you you are being offered an economic right in a company rather than a control right, you might be offered a share that doesn't carry a voting right and merely just has the right to share in any dividend or distribution. So all of that can be possible. You might be offered a preferred right, which meant that if there were dividends paid out, you might be being paid out ahead of other shareholders, or there might be certain conditions attached to shares the share might be convertible into another class of shares. So ultimately, the message is really that BVI companies, incredibly flexible, there can be lots of different rights that are attached to shares. And it's really between the shareholders themselves to work out what they want to have. So I think that's the basic thing would be what rights are going to attach to the shares that I'm subscribing for. So I would know that by checking the memorandum and articles for the company. That's right. What you would probably expect to see is some sort of subscription agreement, so which tells you the price that you've got to pay for the, the shares and the class of those shares. And then you obviously need to do your basic due diligence on the company and have a look at the constitutional documents, which would be certificate of incorporation. Has this company been incorporated properly? Is it existing? Is it in good standing? And then look at the memorandum and articles of association. For a BVI company, the rights that are attaching to shares are, are required to be set out in the memorandum. 
There may be additional rights that you agree with the other shareholders, and those might stand outside the memorandum and articles of association. But generally, the basic rights that you will have as a shareholder will be set out in the memorandum. The other thing to remember is how BVI companies actually operate. So we've said that you have a right to vote. That right to vote won't necessarily be in relation to everything that the company does. It's day-to-day activities. Because as we chatted about in one of our previous podcasts, management and control of BVI companies generally rests with the board of directors. And the board of directors have pretty wide powers in relation to what they can do with the company and the running of the company. But there are certain matters which are reserved to the shareholders And the shareholders have particular rights to vote on, I guess, key decisions. So if you look again at a plain standard BVI company that hasn't been particularly altered in terms of having bespoke rights, shareholders would need to vote on whether or not the company was wound up. They'd need to vote in relation to any decision to dispose of a substantial amount of the assets of the company. And they would have to vote on things like mergers and consolidations and those sorts of things. So generally, day-to-day business of the company will be run by the directors. So as an incoming shareholder, you would probably want to do a little bit of investigation about the board of directors, who they are, are they qualified to run the business that you're putting your money into? Would I have the right as an incoming shareholder to receive that information as standard? You would certainly have the right to the memorandum and articles of association of the company. You would also have the right to look at the register of members and any resolutions that have been passed by members. You also have the right to ask for other information, but the directors have the right to determine whether or not disclosing that information would be in the best interests of the company. Any shareholder would obviously also want to do their own due diligence into the financial information about the company and that kind of thing. So one should check what might be made available to them for that purpose. Assuming that I decide to proceed and I purchase the shares, would my information become public? No, it wouldn't. Obviously, in order to gain legal title, so legal ownership of the shares, your name and your address needs to be inserted into the register of members of the company, so the share register. That register is usually held in the BVI by the registered agent of the company. They certainly have to hold a copy. It could be held somewhere else. And there are certain regulatory obligations on the registered agent to disclose information about those who own more than 10% or have control of more than 10% of a BVI company. That information is required to be filed through an electronic ownership system called BOSS. But once uploaded and filed, it's not available to anybody who does a public search at the BVI registry. So in the same way, if you open a bank account, you have to provide KYC and the usual compliance type information that would need to be given to the registered agent. And depending on the size of your shareholding, the extent of your shareholding, they may well have to upload that to the regulatory authorities, but it is not publicly available. 
That's right. Just to clarify, the registered agent has an obligation to identify anybody with more than a 10% interest in the entity. And of those, anyone with 25% or more needs their details are filed onto the BOSS system. So depending whether the shareholder is, in our example, an individual, but obviously there are different rules that apply to corporate or trust organizations and partnerships and and that kind of thing. But basically, 10% triggers the standard AML obligations for the license to the Financial Services Commission and 25% or more is reported via the Beneficial Ownership Secure Search System to the International Tax Authority. That's right. So I think the one thing that's worth noting, particularly for people who are in the UK, is that the initial trigger for providing information is at 10% rather than 25%, which is slightly different from the the situation in, in the UK. I mentioned that just because we quite often have clients that we're based in the UK saying, here's the information about everybody owns 25% or more. And we quite often have to go back to them and say, I'm sorry, the BVI is a little bit more stringent on that. And once the threshold is at the 10% level. In terms of the ongoing requirements, what should I expect as a shareholder? Are there any ongoing requirements on me as a shareholder or things that I would be expected to do annually, for example? We've talked about voting and in terms of day-to-day running of the company, as we said, that's generally going to be in the hands of the directors unless there are specific decisions that require shareholder approval. Interestingly, for BVI companies, there isn't a requirement to hold an annual general meeting of shareholders every year. Quite often, the constitutional documents of the BVI company might include that requirement, but you shouldn't necessarily expect that you will have an opportunity as a shareholder to meet with your fellow shareholders once a year. However, if you own more than a particular threshold level of shares, you may well have the right to call a shareholders meeting yourself or to requisition the directors to call a shareholders meeting. So that's one thing that perhaps you should have a look at in the constitution. Might I have the ability or the right to require the directors of the company to call a shareholders meeting? The other thing that's worth noting is if you are coming into a BVI company and you have particular concerns about different aspects of the company's business, you may have an opportunity to insert what are normally referred to as reserved matters into the constitutional documents of the company. And these might be specifically related to how the business is conducted. For example, you might have a threshold for disposal is worth more than a certain amount. You wish the directors to come to the shareholders first for approval. It might be a change of business, change of direction. It might be, for example, in situations where the directors want to allot or issue further shares. So there are a number of different scenarios that perhaps you would like to think about as a shareholder coming into a company. You know, do you want to give yourself some protections from dilution? Do you want to make sure that If further shareholders come in, you are given an opportunity to invest in more shares to stop yourself from being diluted. If a shareholder wants to transfer his shares to a third party, might you want to have an opportunity to purchase those shares instead of the third party? So all of these things can happen, can be incorporated into the constitutional documents and bear thinking about. 
Great. There's plenty of food for thought there. I think that the concept of becoming a shareholder is relatively familiar, I guess. Sounds like there's no hidden pitfalls that people should be aware of. And it sounds pretty flexible. I think that's right. I think the other thing that people should be aware of is that the BVI Business Companies Act does offer some protections for shareholders on a statutory basis, particularly if those shareholders are in the minority. So there are statutory provisions protecting against unfair prejudice. There are protections where directors might be acting in breach of the memorandum and articles of association or or indeed of the Companies Act itself. So it's worth getting specific BVI advice if you are thinking about becoming a shareholder of a BVI company and just being aware of what your obligations might be as a shareholder and the implications of things not going the way you want them to and what rights you might have, particularly in relation to decision-making, I think further issues of shares and dilution, whether you might have a right to perhaps appoint or remove directors and things like that. So lots of food for thought, but I think the sort of key takeaway is that, and I think our listeners are probably aware of this by now, but BVI companies are incredibly flexible. You can set them up in such a way and adapt them in such a way that meets your needs. And there is a fairly streamlined and effective regulatory environment in which they they operate which makes them an incredibly popular vehicle for use in a number of different situations. Excellent. Thanks very much, Rachel. We will see everybody on our next podcast in the series. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.